Hey, hey everyone. Welcome to Home Energy Design. How to design a beautiful home and life and make sure it's energy aligned. I'm your host, Amanda Gates, and I'm an interior designer and feng shui practitioner. And these combined skills have made me a floor plan reading expert. Energy design is like astrology for your home and your life. And who doesn't want more of that? I believe in all things pretty. In fact, my team and I love the pretty. But what makes my firm different is that we can help you create designs that are also energy aligned to help you get the home and life you've always dreamed of. Are you ready? Let's do this. Hey, hey everyone, welcome to the show. This is Amanda Gates and today I have on yoga instructor and local owner of Half Moon Yoga, Robbie Short. I've gone to a lot of studios, yoga studios, here in Nashville, and one of my favorite aspects of Robbie's studio is that she honors what yoga truly is. It's philosophy with complementary yoga poses, and that's, you know, what helps you stay in a meditative state. And I hate to say it, but we've really westernized yoga. We've made it into almost a quasi CrossFit sport that um, is still very active and highly mobile. And a lot of like, especially if you take a vinyasa class, it's, you know, you're spending a lot of time going up and down in, in the class and it's very aerobic. But true yoga is actually philosophical with movements to keep you in a meditative state so that you're comfy. They, um, in ancient texts, they would talk about how when people were in meditative states and sitting on the floor, they would start to get uncomfortable. So they added these poses to help add to the meditative state and also move chi. So what I love about Robbie's class and also studio is that her Dharma talks are one of my favorite aspects of class. And back in October, her Dharma talks consisted of the chakras. And today I want to talk to her about her journey from being an airline stewardess to a yoga teacher and the benefits of yoga and why everyone should be doing it. And the power of the chakras and the Me Too movement is also something else that we're going to talk about because we are, I'm extending this a little bit from the month of love. Uh, we're officially in March, but I mean, it's only the first day. So I wanted to include that as well because I think it's important for us to talk about self-love. If you are a client of mine, well, even if you listen to the show, I constantly talk about how you need to cultivate your chi. And in order to do that, it requires self-love. It requires self-care. And Robbie is really the embodiment of doing both. She has taken the last 10 years to really work on herself, give herself the care that she needs, cultivate her chi, and really rise above to become the yoga practitioner and teacher that she is today which I think is a beautiful embodiment of how we all should be cultivating our chi to rise and ascend and elevate to those above the cross emotions. Don't forget that Mastering Feng Shui with Confidence uh, is live for a couple more days for enrollment. So if that's something that you're interested in, be sure to take advantage of that because once enrollment closes, we will not be opening the course back up until fall. 
The love course will only be open for another week. So if you're interested in that, be sure to take advantage of that. And don't forget about the retreat. You can find more information about that on the website, gatesinteriordesign.com. All right, let's get started talking about yoga. Today, I am excited to have uh, Robbie Short on, who is actually a, a local here in Nashville, and she owns Half Moon Yoga. Welcome to the show. Thank you. It's nice to be here. I'm excited. We, um, I've been actually trying to get uh, more people locally on the show to kind of highlight all the awesomeness that is in Nashville. Um, and I myself have been doing yoga for about 10 years. And um, I know how it's, how it's really changed my life. But what I find fascinating is you've spoken about, you know, being in the airline industry and, and how you uh, found yoga. So share with the audience, you know, this life of, of being in a fast paced, kind of a cranky uh, industry and how you found yoga. Oh, that's a good way to describe it. <laughs> <laughs> it is a cranky industry. Um, well, I had started flying right after college. So I was really young and I ended up flying for almost 12 years. And during that time frame, I was in, you know, mainly in my twenties and I don't know how long I had been flying, probably roughly four to five years. And my low back hurt all the time, um, especially after a trip, you know, I don't know if it was the combination of wearing high heels um, pushing those carts that have a lot of misaligned wheels, trying not to knock knees, um, <laughs> moving big ice buckets around, just a lot of poor body mechanics, uh, dealing with people's luggage, trying to close all the overhead compartments with that weight. Um, and I started reading articles uh, in my downtime about how yoga was really good for the back. So I really started yoga um, as a way to try to see if I could uh, basically help this minor ailment. I was in these aches and pains I was feeling in my back because I felt like I was too young to be having that issue. And uh, soon after I started just doing videos at home, I initially was too intimidated to go to a studio. I thought, you know, I don't know what I thought, but I was intimidated to go. So I did videos at home. And then when September 11th happened, I literally just moved to Nashville. I moved to Nashville the 1st of September um, and then had taken a trip. When 9-11 happened, I was in uh, Buffalo, New York, and of course got stranded there for a number of days before the industry picked back up and before the airways was open again. And went to a class. As soon as I got back to Nashville, I was like, that's it. I, I have to go to a class, not really knowing that it was really good for stress relief, um, not really knowing that there, there was a, a spiritual or philosophical component to yoga because the videos were purely more physical. Um, and as soon as I joined the class, I started realizing, oh, there's a lot more to this and really enjoyed it. And a few weeks after doing it, several times a week while I was home. Um, I had an experience in Shavasana where I felt this huge weight lifted off my chest. Um, and I had been dealing with um, a lot of stress from the move anyway. And then with all the additional stress coming up from the terrorist attacks and all the uh, 
changes that were happening at a rapid pace in my industry, um, I started realizing I would get highly, highly stressed and then I would take yoga and I would feel so at peace, you know, so I knew there was something to it. And I just kind of got a little bit addicted to it because I could tell that uh, I I could tell it was therapeutic. And the more I went to work and realized people were popping pills for depression and anxiety and, you know, just to, um, you know, get to work and do what they were doing, dealing with that fear factor, I realized I didn't need that, that it was the yoga and meditation that was really helping me. Um, so I decided a few years later that I wanted to teach and then I taught part time. And then once I had my son in 2007, I decided I'm just going to go full time into yoga. And so that's how I landed on this path. I think it's really interesting that you uh, found it because of your back. Uh, That's actually uh, one of the reasons that I did it. And I too was intimidated by it. Um, But I was often sitting at a desk for most of the day. And I was also going through a very stressful period in my life. I was uh, headed for a divorce and I just had an enormous amount of tightness, really, really tight in my lower back and the first yoga that I ever did actually was Bikram, which is like hotter than Hades. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> it is like 120 degrees in the room. But there was, when we got to the floor, uh, we, the instructor said, you know, cradle your, your knees in your hand and, and lift up your head to your knees. And I was like, what the hell are we, what? Like, I didn't know what was happening. And I was looking at the other people and I'm like, how are you even doing that? I can't even get like, I can't even get my head to my knees. And it took me about two or three classes, you know, cause the classes were so hot that I was able to do it. And I just felt this enormous like explosion release in the, my lower back. Like it just completely released the tension. And I was like, Oh my God, there's something to this. There's, oh, yes. there's something to this. And um, I think I know I was one of them because, you know, Madonna was doing it in the nineties, but I think a lot of people, you know, think it's a trend and, but I really think that, you know, right now, especially yoga is needed more than ever because everybody is so cranky and stressed out and they're focusing on the wrong things. Absolutely. You mentioned a minute ago that, you know, some of the benefits that you experienced was, you know, it it dropped your stress, you felt more peaceful, you know, it overcomes fear, but what are some additional benefits uh, to doing a yoga practice? Oh man, it's innumerable. I mean, it's truly one of those things. I like to say this a lot. It's time tested. You know, this has been around for thousands of years and it just keeps getting um, validated by science. Um, All the wonderful benefits we can receive from anything from physical benefits. I mean, it helps, it can actually help to realign the bone structure of the body. Um, I was majorly pigeon-toed when I was younger, um, never had to have surgery or anything like that. Uh, but yoga's corrected my feet. Um, so, it, I mean, it can affect the skeletal system. It can obviously uh, tone and define, strengthen and stretch muscles. Um, it can help the endocrine system, which is, governs the hormone regulation in the body, which is also part of our body chemistry, which regulates our moods. Um, that's, a, that, that's a big deal, you know. Um, we also 
can improve the functioning of the inner organs. So it can help to improve our digestive system, the process of eliminating waste. Um, so there's a lot of great physical benefits uh, because, I mean, the body does hold trauma in memory in the body. We often think of, you know, trauma in, mem uh, in the past just being kind of held in the brain. Uh, but the memory is actually stored throughout the whole body. So it can help to relieve us of chronic stress and tension. Um, it can help to lower high blood pressure. It can help with cardiovascular health. It can help to improve our respiratory system. Because oftentimes when we're stressed out, our breath is so shallow. Um, and when it's shallow, we're not getting enough oxygen to the brain. Um, we're weakening our immunity system. Um, just the process of the uh, pranayama technique, which is the breathing and uh, moving the body and the quality of the mindfulness and meditation aspects of yoga, all of that is going to help to shift the nervous system into a calmer, quieter, more peaceful state of being. So who wouldn't want that? <laughs> no kidding. Uh, yeah. And uh you know, there's so many benefits that it does to the mind. I mean, the mindfulness and meditation has been shown to help light up parts of the brain that are normally not as awake or lit up or being utilized. Um, it can actually light up our compassion center. Um, you know, what, what helps to cultivate compassion from the heart, but it also shows up and is revealed in brain scans um, when they study people who meditate on a regular basis. Um, it can also help with emotional well-being. Uh, it can give people spiritual insight. Uh, there's, oh, it's just, there's a plethora of uh, benefits that can come from it. Well, yeah. and it can also help to build your connection with yourself. Yeah. Um, it can help you. To, yeah, it can peel back all the layers because, I mean, we're just, uh, we talk about this a lot in yoga, but what we're trying to do is peel back all the layers. Um, because you may have depression or anxiety, you know, but what's the root cause of that? So to do the self-study and to keep studying, like, how are you holding things in your body? Uh, how is your mind operating? What are the uh, neuron patterns? What kind of grooves or impressions are on a constant repeat in your mind? What has happened in the past that maybe if you keep peeling back the layers, you could actually find the culprit of that depression and that anxiety, whatever uh, was the root cause years ago. And you can start slowly extracting some of that and just get into a much healthier uh, place. Yeah, I think that one of the things that I really started to notice is that when a challenge or an obstacle would present itself to me, I was so damn calm. And I know that it was from yoga. It was, it, you think that, oh, well, a, a practice can't possibly do that. But yeah, I think it's the shallow sips of air that we commonly take. It's the fact that we're not moving in a correct way. Um, we're not practicing the mindfulness. We're not peeling back those layers. And so we do, we get kind of in this panicked mode um, where we're frenetic all the time. And it's like, I think that yoga really helps break through that, which yes. I think is a great segue. I wanted to play a little bit of devil's advocate. What makes yoga different from say working out at the gym? 
what's what makes this different from you know hardcore going out and and lifting weights or doing pilates or because i've done them all <laughs> yeah 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 yeah. um it's a, that's a great question um honestly i don't do a lot of other exercise <laughs> um i mean i go hiking i love to canoe and kayak um i love to be outdoors and do things like that um i have done pound i don't know if you've ever heard of pound but pound's kind of an aerobic class where you have um fake drumsticks and you're kind of beating along to the music and and it makes it really fun and it's really energized and um it has a lot of uh you know loud music backing it up um i think and and that's all fine i mean there's great benefits to exercise in general i mean you know people talk all the time when they when they run um it, it becomes like a meditation for them so i think people need to pick you know a physical activity that they see benefits from but i think what makes yoga different is yoga is philosophy it is a way of living your life and uh when you're doing other types of exercise you're breathing through it but you're not necessarily being taught how to breathe or how to synchronize breath with movement maybe in weightlifting you are uh, um, i don't I think that would probably be an exception i don't know because i don't really do that um, but I think the self-study aspect is a huge component to yoga. You know, we're constantly asking, you know, at the very beginning of a yoga class, you're going to sit and center and you're going to sit and breathe with your eyes closed. Um, and that way you're having not just an external experience of moving your body, but you're out also checking in and having an internal experience. Um, so you're checking in to see, okay, what are the sensations that I'm feeling? And what is my body trying to say back to me? Uh, what are my inner messages that I'm receiving? And different things can crop up. You know, in yoga, when we do hip openers, I have seen multiple people just cry and shed tears because you're opening the hips and it's affecting that, um, that particular energy center where we tend to stuff and suppress a lot of emotion so that's going to seep up i've never seen you know in the classes that i have done because i have done step aerobics and i've done pound and it's, i'm not saying i don't do anything i've just always kind of tested it in trials and then i didn't get as much out of it that i did with yoga so i just stuck with yoga uh, but i never saw um the impact uh that it was having on people in those type classes that i see happening in yoga you really kind of go towards not just the mind and body it's considered a mind body practice and it is but you're also targeting the heart and soul so i think it just i think it's just different um you know to have conscious breathing to be very aware of how you're aligning your body and moving it to be very uh mindful and intentional while you're doing it to have the relaxation at the end is also important. The relaxation at the end that we call Shavasana helps a person assimilate the benefits of what you've been doing, but it also gives you a moment where now that you've gotten the body out of the way, you can now focus internally on your mindset and you're at a much calmer, uh, more focused place in your mind at the end where you just have this 
you know, clarity. You don't have as much clutter in your head. And then your senses get heightened. And I don't know, there's just a slow transformation. Sometimes it's a fast transformation for people. Um, sometimes it's a slow transformation, depending on how they're equipped and how they're, um, you know, really see analyzing it for themselves and whether or not they're going to take the lessons that they're learning on the mat, off the mat. I think what, for me, I agree. I think there's definitely a lot of the philosophy and self-study in it that you don't get when you do what I would consider more of a traditional workout. But to me, when you do more of the, uh, like the uh, working out at the gym, um, the hardcore like boot campy type classes and things like that. Yeah, there's a transformation, but I feel like it's a lot more egoic and external. Whereas yoga is more about the inner philosophy, the inner lifestyle, the mindfulness, it's more inner work. So to yes. me, they are, are entirely um, different and they feed different animals. And so I think that having tried so many things, I never really got the mind you know, body spirit connection with any other thing like I did with yoga. And one of the things that I really, really connect with, with your studio is, is a true yoga practice. We were just talking about this the other night with Maribeth and the yoga class after we were complete, we were talking about how westernized yoga has gotten. And one of the things that you do a lot, which is true yoga, is you always include a small Dharma talk before each class, and it also has a topic. So, you know, that is true yoga. Yoga is typically about a philosophy, and then there are some yoga movements that go with it. Explain to the audience what uh, a Dharma talk is about and what that philosophy is about and why it's connected to yoga, because I think that they're really important. And the one that you had the other night, which I think would be great if you wanted to share, is the I am stories that we hold and the I am stories that we, we tell ourselves. Oh, yeah. Um, I love Dharma talks. Well, I, honestly, when I first started yoga, um, the teacher I had was phenomenal. And she's actually still here in Nashville and has her own studio on the east side. Um, I She didn't teach a lot of the philosophy necessarily she would kind of sneak it in she would sneak it in with a reading at the end um or she might say you know this is a meditative work in not a workout you know she would have little snippets of that um in the practice to kind of give you a hint of it um but when i went to teacher training i went to an ashram in california and they were really all about the philosophy of yoga and they were more of a classical type of yoga and so I'll explain that. Uh, classical yoga is one that's based on the philosophy of yoga. And the philosophy of yoga is, if you, if you study it, the Yoga Sutras, it was finally written down. Uh, it had been passed down orally and it was finally written down in kind of a book form uh, or originally on leaves and then eventually into book form uh, 25 to 3,000 years ago. And if you read the philosophy of yoga, it's really all about the mind. It's really about how can you tame and train your mind so it's not controlling you. And it gives you all kinds of examples of how to do it. You know, it tells you to practice nonviolence. It's asking you to practice honesty. It's asking you uh, 
not to steal and not just stealing someone's possessions, but someone's energy or time. Uh, the list goes on and on and on. It only mentions asana twice, two mm -hmm. or three times. Mm -hmm. And the asanas are the postures. Well, when you study through the philosophy, you realize that the asana is supposed to be a comfortable held position. Well, that comfortable held position in years past was a seat for meditation. And then years went by and they realized, um, you know, sitting for long periods of time, your body is going to be uncomfortable. Your body may not have the freedom to be able to give you the ease in order to practice that steadiness of mind. So they started spontaneously creating these movements in their body to open and awaken the energy to get the discomfort out and then they would go back to sit so then there was this modern era of yoga where all of these poses started to get created and they're still being creative because we're innovative people and because of this innovation of poses they realized yeah you can actually manipulate the body just like you can manipulate the breath to manipulate the energy which has a direct effect on your mind so then all these postures came into the picture but when i went to the ashram they were really focused more on the philosophy we didn't we didn't spend all of our time in the physical postures you know it was kind of monkish in a way and so when i came back to nashville um you know of course i knew when i was teaching a yoga class i knew people wanted the physical practice, but I really wanted to teach them the true yoga, what I call the big yoga, which is the philosophical or spiritual component. So I started doing Dharma talks at the beginning just to give them a little snippet of whatever was inspiring me or whatever was showing up in life or, or what I've been hearing amongst them, you know, maybe some issues that they were having in life that they were coming to me with. And if I saw a common theme with several students, then I was like, okay, Maybe I should bring this teaching in because I think this will help these students, you know. And really, when you're talking about one person's story, you're really talking about everybody's story because we're all human beings having this human experience on this physical plane. Um, so it can relate to everyone. And what I discovered when I started doing the Dharma talks is I noticed it started impacting people at the heart and soul level. And I started notice people were really transforming and changing and healing from that. And so I never changed my style. I just stuck with it from that point on. Um, so the themes are always going to be different. You know, it could be a piece of philosophy. It could be something happening in life. It could be a mantra uh, that could be used as a tool for meditation. The one I did the other night that you're speaking of, the I am, we were using so hum. So is used on the in-breath and hum is on the out-breath. And it literally translates to mean I am that. And what I was mentioning in class the other night is we often put, um, you know, you hear so many people say, oh, I'm such an idiot. Oh, I'm so stupid for doing that. Um, and what we put after the words I am is so important to recognize because I'm a believer that form follows thought. You know, consciousness is behind everything. So if you're having a, a thought that is constantly saying, a negative or saying a positive after the I am, eventually that's going to manifest in your life. Amen. That's going to show up as part of your reality. So um, 
you know, and I was even saying, you know, we, we put our name after that. I am Robbie. I am Amanda. I am a mom. I am a business owner. And those are just labels. They're just names. They're just roles that we play. So I was trying to get people to think, you know, how, how can we be proactive in a way where we're being co-creators in life, you know, make sure you're putting a positive, something uplifting, something you're trying to attain, something you want to manifest. Um, I am healthy and whole. I am wise and strong. I am creative. Um, you know, things like that, that's going to give you a boost of, um, uh, positive energy to work with. Yeah, I, I really appreciated that. And uh, I've noticed a, a big shift in me just in the last year. Um, it was funny that you brought that up because my I am for well over eight months has been I am so grateful. I am so grateful. I am mm. so grateful. And um, that's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I'm getting, you know, it, you're, you're right, because the words that you put out are literally what you're, you're, you're creating your reality without realizing it. And so I'm getting more to be grateful for. So yeah, absolutely. And uh, mine that I've been working with for years is I am worthy. Mm. I am worthy because I had such a feeling of lack. I think I came into this world with a feeling of lack. And I definitely received that, um, you know, from my childhood. And I think it carried over into my adulthood. And then going through, you know, a bitter divorce. And, you know, there was just a feeling of lack. So mine's been I'm worthy. And this year I changed it to I am lucky. That's great. I, and I, that's actually, a, again, a great way to segue. I wanted to ask you back in October, our Dharma talks were including the chakra system and how dynamic the activity of yoga is to really helping us balance and open our chakras up. And worthiness is really a root chakra. And I think a lot of us have issues with root and sacral. Tell us a little bit how the chakras play uh, into yoga and how really uh, synchronistic the two are as far as you can't really have one without the other and how it helps people really come into balance. Well, the chakras are part of energetic anatomy. And if you believe in energy, which, you know, energy is definitely here around us everywhere. We cannot necessarily see it, but it definitely can be felt. We can definitely uh, utilize it. Um, so when you're looking at the chakra system and you're looking at energetic anatomy, our medical symbol that we have with the staff and the, the, the snakes crawling up, that is actually a stem from the chakra system, which is an old Eastern system. So a lot of people think it's some new age, you know, stuff, and it's actually not. It's actually very ancient knowledge. Uh, so when you're working with moving the body, when you're working with uh, your breath, the breath is one of the main portals of energy that we bring into the body. So when we're breathing in a conscious way, when we're moving in a conscious way, we are moving through the chakras and we have, I mean, I've heard anywhere from 108 to 114, but we typically focus on a major seven that travel kind of up alongside the spine. And you can actually see if you were to look at the anatomy of the physical body, there's nerve plexuses with each one of those main seven, you know, and 
So the first chakra is like our foundation, our sense of security, our tribal identity, um, whether or not we have confidence, whether or not we have that sense of self-worth, you know, um, that's really derived a lot from our past and our conditioning. And you're right. The first and second chakras, I feel like, are where a lot of people get stuck or really blocked. Um, it, it's hard to kind of climb out of your conditioning in your past. And when you move up into the second chakra, which is the sacral center, you know, that, that's about other relations that we form. That's about our more intimate relations with our lovers or with uh, our best friends or with our, you know, one-on-one -on -one kind of relationships, even with our parents. This is our uh, creative center, our sexual center, our intimate center. And, you know, whether or not you have social skills <laughs> may be determined by how open or blocked your second center is. And it goes on and on. You know, your third it moves up into the solar plexus. It's about your own uh, sense of identity as far as the ego is concerned, your personality, uh, your traits, how you move in the world, how you act in the world. Uh, and then you move on up into the heart center. Uh, this is a place where, you know, we want to embody love and compassion and forgiveness and all those higher kind of qualities. But sometimes we build up shields around the heart and we build up a brick wall around the heart because we've been hurt. And part of moving the body and breathing into the body is chiseling that down and tearing down that wall so your heart stays open so that you can give and receive. And then the third, the fifth one, when you move up, is the place of expression and purification. Um, how well we communicate, whether or not we're really listening to our inner voice, whether or not we're really listening to other people's ideas and staying open to that. Um, moving on up to the six is about insight, intuition, imagination, and then moving on up, awareness, unity, wisdom. And so we want these to be balanced in a way that when energy is moving up and down the body, there's no blocks. So when energy is moving up, we call it the line of liberation. We can actually create more freedom for ourselves if we're not stuck in our past, if we're not stuck in our conditioning, if we're not stuck in uh, any abuse that may have happened in the past or any disempowerment we uh received in the past you know we're, we're trying to work through all things so that we can climb up the ladder and be free at the same time we want the energy to be open enough so that as it's channeling down we can be co-creators and we can really be grounded in our body and we can really be uh, conscious and intentional with our actions so it's important going both ways up and down and yoga helps with that the the shakti and the shiva it, it helps really i think of all the things that i've done i think that yoga has been the most profound but um i think what's interesting this year i've been really working on my heart chakra and what i have found incredibly uh interesting is that i have uh really made it another one of my mantras is to just no longer hold it back you know our society is all about we can think our way think through everything we can think it through we can be logical we can be analytical but we never really focus on right brain thinking and and our direct line to god is through emotion and 
I've been sharing my emotions. I've just decided like, I don't give a shit. I'm just going to put it out there. And I, uh, I texted a friend the other day and I just said, you know, I, I really want you to know how much I, I love and adore you and I appreciate you. And, and I'm just, I'm so grateful for you. And her response was, how much have you been drinking? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, that right there is, is our culture, you know, like it's, it, it's unfortunate, but I've made it my um, mission to really start letting people know how I feel about them, which um, is perfect. This is the month of love. And one of the reasons that I wanted to have you on was to, I think that yoga is one of the greatest acts of self-love that we can possibly do. It really introduces you to yourself and your inner wisdom and um, helps break through all of those walls and helps us get back into balance. And you mentioned a minute ago that our root and our sacral are often the two that are, are kind of damaged and blocked and have a lot of issues. And you had talked in, in class, um, and I don't know if you've put this together or not, but you were talking about maybe doing a, a Me Too type workshop. But can you expand a little bit on that? I really, you mentioned it in class, and I just thought it was so yeah. fascinating. Yeah, I really, I, I, well, every year when I do the talker series, I do it a little bit differently and I use different resources because I'm always still trying to, because I hold so much information and retain in my uh, memory just through the years and the way I've implemented it and the way I've seen other people implement it. But every year when I teach it, it's like, well, I still want to learn a little bit more. And this year I used, um, I used a new book. And it's the Eastern Body, Western Minds. Mm, and, and this one ap approached the chakras in a little different dynamic. Now, now, I know there's traumas that affect every chakra, but she spelled it out so well, so beautifully, that it really hit me when we were going through that series, especially with the first, second, and third. I felt like this is where we are right now in society. Everything that's getting stirred up right now involves the first, second, and third chakras, mm -hmm. which are the lower vibrational ones. They all vibrate at a different frequency, and these are the lower vibrations. These are the more physical, um, earthly kind of energies. So what we're dealing with right now a lot is, you know, the Me Too movement, um, the injustice of the patriarchal society we are dealing with racism we are dealing with a lot of hatred hate crimes you know a lot of gun violence there's a lot of what's beautiful about the me too movement is i think we are finally at a place where women are able to speak up about it because so many times women have just allowed these experiences to kind of shut them down and they've suppressed them. And, um, and this has given a forum for people to really speak out and to say, yeah, you know what? This isn't okay. This has been going on since childhood. And these are my experiences. Um, and that's a big deal. I mean, even birth control, abortion, gay rights, nudity, fidelity, celibacy, um, child molestation, rape, pornography, all of this kind of is involved with those first three chakras. Addictions, you know, we're, we're seeing a huge um, 
rise in heroin addiction and opiates and opioids addictions. Um, in fact, I had a, one of my best friends actually passed away a few years ago. And I had known her since we were teenagers. She finally opened up to me, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago. She was in her 30s at the time. She had finally got to the point in her life where she opened up to just a few people, a handful of people, and said, you know, I was molested by my uncle through my childhood. Now, knowing her, she also dealt with an eating disorder. She also developed an addiction to painkillers. In her 20s, she got pregnant and she aborted the child because it was one of those, you know, kind of random one night stands. And, and she wasn't that kind of person. She was actually always kind of a monogamous person, but with every monogamous relationship she was in, she would stay with this person for years. Inevitably, every person she was with, she would get an STD from them. I mean, just looking at her life, and she ended up, uh, unfortunately, passing away from uh, the abuse that had happened to her body. Her, uh, she had gone to rehab three different times. She was actually doing well, but she was on more prescriptive drugs to take care of the other prescriptive drugs she was addicted to. So it was still kind of in that same cycle. And even though she didn't necessarily know what the root cause was, after going through the shocker series we just did, I was looking at all this going, wow, if we could have helped her peel back the layers or if therapy could have, it all went back to her childhood and being molested by her uncle. Hmm. And she used that, uh, you know, the eating disorder was just to gain control. She just needed some control because she didn't have any control as a child when that happened. When she developed the addiction with the painkillers, it was to numb the pain of what had happened to her in her youth. And this is common in our society. And I don't think we go to the root cause. And that's what, the, when you study the yoga philosophy, yoga philosophy is about finding that root cause. Because if you don't go to the root cause, you're just going to be covering it up with something else. So I definitely see all the stirrings in our society right now based on these first three chakras. Yeah, I really think that we are in a paradigm right now where we're looking, you know, for external things. We look without instead of looking within and really trying to get to the root of problems. And I'm seeing uh, an enormous amount of addictions, everything from shopping addictions to video game addictions to sex addictions, drug addictions. I mean, you name it, addiction is... And I think a lot of times, too, if it's not a true drug and alcohol addiction, people think, oh, well, it's not an addiction, but we're addicted to work. You know, there's there's so many things that you can be addicted to, and it's absolutely um, an imbalance in our, in our chakras. And once again, if you look to yoga to really help um, get to the internal source, the internal reasoning. You don't need the drugs. You don't need all those external things to fill you up. You can actually get to um, the root cause of what is, you know, and imagine her doing like hip openers and things like that. I mean, she would have been able to, that would have helped her release a lot of those pent up emotions that she may not have fully understood. Absolutely. Yeah. The ironic thing is her 
stepmother just opened up a yoga studio and I'm like, Oh, I wish, wow. I wish she was still here. You know, she was still here. I think she was, you know, she lived in another state, but, um, that would have definitely taken her to the practice. But we have this saying in yoga, you have to feel to deal, to heal. And I think yoga helps you to feel. And, and through that feeling, you can start to deal with the reality of things as it is and learn how to accept and overcome those things and move forward. And then in that is the healing. And I think that this goes back to our culture, you know, the idea that we have to think our way through everything. And and we've been taught to suppress our feelings and to not feel our feelings and not to be emotional. And, um, you know, we feel guilty if we do actually express our emotions. And and I think that yoga really uh, is one of probably the most accepting, open-minded places that you can go to really just let it all hang out like you know, yes. just get into it well you know as far as the second chakra is concerned and you you had asked about the series that we're going to be doing um i'm talking with um well i've reached out to a, th- a uh, an actual therapist and this is one of her um this is one of her passions is to talk about um sexual healing in, in her therapy session. So she's going to be offering that as one of our workshops. I have another person coming in who approached me about doing a workshop with Yoni eggs, um, for women, not just to use as pleasure, but as a way to build up strength in their pelvic floor. Cause you know, anything from pregnancy to childbirth to any type of trauma in the second chakra, there could be incontinence that comes in. Um, as we age with our bodies, um, you know, both men and women can either have a deficient amount of energy in the center or excessive amount of energy in the center. When you're deficient here, you're rigid, you have no sex drive, you're a control freak, you're out of touch, you fear change, poor social skills, and you have low back pain. You know, low back pain is part of that. When you're excessive, energetically you have weak boundaries you're more promiscuous you're a little bit more untamed uh with your sexuality um so that we're gonna do um we'll actually do this one annually it's called intimate partners yoga i do it around valentine's every year this came about a number of years ago and it wasn't due to this uh particular series I just did it was just something that just kind of naturally developed I was doing a partner yoga class one year and I noticed every because you know lots of times you do partner yoga you might have girlfriends come together or a mother and a child come together it's not necessarily couples and when I noticed it was all couples coming I thought ah it's all couples I think I want to make it a little bit more tantric um people often think the term tantric goes back just to sex but actually Tantric yoga came about when, uh, during, between the periods of classical yoga and the modern era of yoga, the tantric yoga period realized, oh, wow, we do need to use the body. We can't just sit in meditation and just control the mind because we're, we're living in this vehicle of body and we're having to use this body and we're seeing things are trapped in the body and we need to get the energy moving through the body. And so 
in the tantric phase, they realize the body actually is important to work with. And what I love about the, the tantric side of yoga is, because in our society, you, sexuality, at least the way I was brought up, I was brought up a minister's daughter in the South um, in a very conservative uh, religion. And sex was not talked about. Sex was considered dirty. Uh, you didn't have sex till you got married and you'd only have it with that one person until the day you died. You know, it, it, there was so much conditioning around it. And so there's a lot of shame and guilt. If you veer away from that idea, then there's a lot of shame and guilt that comes with that. So in the tantric, uh, side of yoga, sexuality and spirituality don't have to be polarized and they don't have to rival each other you actually blend them together. So there's a sacredness in the sexual act. There's a sacredness to your sensuality. There's a sacredness to being with your partner and seeing their body as a temple, as well as your own body as a temple and seeing the divinity within them and treasuring that and worshiping that in a way. Uh, so that workshop is something I do annually, but that's to bring the sacredness back into the intimate connection between the couple. Because we have so many distractions these days with both working and, like you said, technology and um, everything kind of gets in the way of that, you know, because it's gotten more complex. Yeah, and I, I think it's great. And I love that you uh, brought up the idea that uh, I think in our Western culture, tantric, we we automatically assume that it, it means sex. And um, the level of feng shui that I study is actually uh, Buddhist tantric black sect, and it, the, the tantric is actually enlightenment. So I think it's just, it's a, a word that has many meanings to it, but we all assume that it has to do with sex. Yeah, and it's really just about having a, you know, more of a, a deeper, more spiritual connection. Mm-hmm. Right. So with, you know, I, I think that... Um, We've, we've talked a lot about um, the beauty of, of yoga and really the benefits and, and what yoga can really bring to a person. Um, if someone's listening today and they're curious about it, we talked about at the top of the show about how intimidating it can be. I too, I didn't uh, go to a class for quite some time because I was so afraid that, you know, people would judge me and I didn't know the poses and, you know, I wasn't going to be all ripped up like Madonna was. Um, and actually, ironically enough, my mom, she's a, she's a nurse and she actually prescribes yoga to her patients and she's never been to a single class in her life, but she sees what it's done to me. Oh, uh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, but if people are, are listening to this and they're really curious about it and maybe they've never gone to a class or they're intimidated or they're not really sure what this looks like, what are some of your suggestions to get people into a class? Oh, I'm so glad you asked that because occasionally I'll go do health fairs. And when I set up my table, it's hilarious because people either want to talk to you, they're drawn to you and want to talk to you, or they run from you. And the people that <laughs> kind of run away from the table, that's who I like to talk to because I can see in their eyes and I can see it in their face that they either have um, their own um, judgment about it or they've had an experience that maybe wasn't a positive experience. And so when I talk to people about it, if they've never tried yoga, the first thing they always say is, well, I'm not flexible. 
Well, you don't have to be flexible and everyone has to start where they're at. And if you're saying that you're not flexible and you're not doing anything about it, it's only going to get worse. So you might as well start at some point. Um, we have a guy, Carlos, that comes to our studio and he's 82, I think. And he comes to the studio four or five days a week and has for the past seven or eight years. And he said, you know, the reason why he started yoga was it hurts to put his shoes on. Mm. And he keeps it up on a regular basis because now he's seen all the other benefits. You know, that was the original reason for coming. So it doesn't get any better. So you might as well start. And then I hear people say, well, I don't know how to meditate. I can't shut down my brain. Well, our brains are made to think. We're not trying to shut the brain down. We're just trying to calm it down so it's not controlling us or running like a freight train. Um, you know, as far as people uh, being intimidated by it, I was intimidated by it. I waited an entire year before I actually went to an actual class. And when I did go to a class, I knew there were studios, but I felt like, well, I'm not hippie enough to go or I'm not uh, knowledgeable enough to go. So I ended up joining a ladies total fitness gym because to me, I felt like, well, I won't be intimidated by the fact that there's, uh, you know, it's all going to be women. You know, I don't have to be intimidated by that. Um, you know, and I ended up finding a great teacher at that gym who actually owned a studio and I followed her to a studio. And what I discovered between the different, because I've taught in many locations from corporate to churches, to gyms, to outdoor parks, to studios. And what I can say about studios is studios create the environment. They create the atmosphere. Uh, they have trained teachers. Um, each studio is going to be different, though. You know, each studio kind of has their own, uh, their own kind of way of presenting yoga or it's a vibe really there yeah they're really yeah there there is a vibe to it and your each studio is going to have their own community you know each community is going to be a little bit different you know the demographic may be different or the style might be different and when i started yoga i didn't know there were so many styles so i always tell people that are brand new i'll first ask them what are you looking for if you're needing relaxation because you're dealing with high blood pressure and chronic tension and you haven't been able to slow down and you don't know how to breathe, take restorative or yin. You know, if I hear people say, well, you know, I'm, I'm a runner and I need deep stretching, go to yin. Um, if I hear people say, well, I don't do anything. I just need to do something. I, I need to, to move or I'm trying to gain some strength. Well, go to a, an active class, some type of flow class where you're going to be moving, building strength and flexibility. So I would encourage people just to try the different styles and to research the different styles because the styles truly are different. And some of the styles take a piece of the yogic philosophy and run with it. Like hot yoga runs with a certain piece of philosophy and runs with it. Um, you know, so it just depends on what you're looking for. It depends on how your body responds to it. So, you know, for me personally, I can't do hot yoga. I'm a redhead. I'm an Aries. I'm a fire sign. I have a lot of fire in me. In, in the Ayurvedic uh, doshas, 
I have a lot of pitta, which is fire. So for me, if I want to get angry, <laughs> if I want to feel like I want to punch someone, I will go to hot yoga. <laughs> if I want the, you know, the euphoric peace, then I don't need to get that hot while I'm doing it. I need to, you know, I can still build internal heat. I just don't need to have all of the external heat. So it really does depend on your body's constitution as well. Um, and it depends on the teacher you get. Like when people come to Half Moon, I always say, try the different styles and try the different teachers because most people get stuck on one teacher, but you can actually learn from other teachers because they have a different background. They have different life experience. They have a different uh, relationship to the practice than maybe I would. Um, so you can learn from so many different ones. Yeah, I love that. I actually, I just experienced that at Half Moon. I don't typically go in on Sundays and the last two Sundays I've gone in and I've been going to Kate's class and I had never taken one by her and I was surprised. I was pleasantly surprised at how much I liked her teaching style. Um, she tends to start the class off pretty hard and we do a lot of asanas very quickly. And then like the last 20 minutes is all floor. And I was like, okay, I can do this. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Was that the vinyasa class? Yeah. And Holly, yeah. you know, Holly's another one of my favorites. She does a lot with the philosophy and, um, she and I are very much in tune. It's like when I go to yoga and I need to come up with a solution or I'm weighing, uh, a decision. I go to Holly's class or your class and you almost always, both of you, you almost always have a philosophy or a talk that nails what I have on my mind. So, wow, that's cool. I, yeah, the synchronicity. I, I'll share a quick one. I was working with a client several weeks ago and she was questioning why she needed to do mantra for her feng shui ceremonies and I kind of had to take a step back and, and what I wanted to respond to her was, is that you need to stop focusing on the, the why and, or, or the what and start fo focusing on the why. And I thought maybe that's a little too harsh. And so I was like, I'm going to go to yoga. And I went to Holly's class. It was a Friday and she, I kid you not, she came to the top of my mat and we were holding warrior pose. And she said, I know that you want me to prompt you to get out of warrior. I know that your leg is burning. I know that your leg is hurting, but you need to stop focusing on the what and start focusing on the why. Oh my goodness. That's brilliant. So I was like, all righty then. I that love how the universe it. works like that. Right. <laughs> So that's another testament for yoga. Well, Robbie, I want to thank you for taking uh, time out of your day to uh, talk shop about yoga and all of its amazing benefits. And, um, you know, I, I've seen tremendous change and benefits in my own life. And, you know, I've only been doing it for a decade. I've met people that have been doing it since the 70s, you know, uh, and I think some of those people are, are at your studio. I mean, some of the women there, they look like they're 40 and they're in their 70s so yes. <laughs> yoga <laughs> yeah and they move their bodies like they're in their you know younger too <laughs> yeah i mean it's it's pretty flipping amazing but um if people want to learn more about you learn about the studio and your workshops where can they go they can go to halfmoonyoga.net 
That is Robbie's website for Half Moon. It's actually located just outside of Nashville in a city called Cool Springs, Franklin. Um, if you uh, come into the area, maybe you do a conference or you're flying in to see friends, I would highly recommend that you drop in and do a class. I've gone to a lot of studios here in Nashville and Half Moon is definitely my favorite studio that I've ever gone to. Um, and Ravi, you're definitely one of my favorite instructors because I love your Dharma talks. So oh, thank you. Thank you for um, your gifts and sharing those with the world and giving back. I think that each person that you touch in your studio is going out and changing the lives. You know, even if they don't think they are, they're changing the lives of those around them. And I think that um, that is how we are going to see change in the world. Absolutely. We say one Shavasana at a time. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for coming on the show today. I really appreciate you taking the time to do this. Thank you, Amanda. I really enjoyed it. In all the years that I have been doing this show, I think we are now officially in year nine or 10. Uh, you think I'd know that, but it's somewhere around there. Uh, I've never had a yoga practitioner or teacher or yoga studio owner on the show. And it surprises me due to the fact that anyone who works with me, any of my clients, anybody uh, that like my friends and things like that, I am always promoting yoga and telling people that they need to do yoga because it's one of the best ways to cultivate your chi. It really uh, drops stress levels. It helps you focus. It just kind of puts your world in perspective and it really calms your parasympathetic nervous system down. So it's a great way to gain clarity. And um, I just really enjoyed this conversation. I hope that you did too. I'm hoping for all my clients that listen to the show who have heard me tell them to go to a yoga class that you're encouraged to do that now and maybe try it out. Um, I know that in the decade that I've been doing yoga, it has completely changed my life and it's been highly beneficial, but it's been interesting to also see how my practice has changed where when I originally started out, it was the very aerobic. I was very attracted to the, the aerobic version of uh, yoga and really looking at it as a fitness practice. And as I've gotten older and really benefited from uh, the philosophy of yoga and what it truly means to find myself in yoga, that is what I'm more attracted to now. So the fitness part has kind of taken a back seat to the philosophical and the mind expansion that it has given me. And that to me has become more important. So whatever it is that you're looking for, uh, I encourage you if you've never done yoga, go to some different studios, experiment. Um, you know, I've gone to so many over the years and I've gone to some studios where I would just flat out say this ain't yoga. So if you're a newbie and you've never gone, you may go to a class and you may think it's yoga and it might not be. It might be a translation of uh, what that uh, instructor or owner thinks yoga is or what they want it to be. So experiment, go to some different studios, try out different instructors. Each teacher is a little bit different and find the one that works best for you. All right, everyone, I hope that you have enjoyed the show today. If you would like uh, to reach out to us, you can find us at letschatatthegatescompany.com. You can find out more information about us at our website, Gates 
interiordesign.com. If you'd like more information about a floor plan reading, you can also find out more on our website. And hey, if you like the show, be sure to go over to iTunes and leave us a review. We love, love, love to hear from you. All right, everyone, trust the vibe because the energy never lies.